Well, Lord, we thank you that you're here with us this morning. We open our hearts to you now. Know that you long to speak to each and every one of us, wherever we are on the journey this morning. So bless now, we pray, and we ask this in Jesus' Name. Amen. Please be seated, church. I'd love it if you could make Pastor David feel really welcome as he comes to share God's Word with us. Thank you so much. That's my son screaming because he wanted to come on stage, but... um. <laughs> You're all right, mate. I'll see you at home. Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that shows I'm an all right dad. He wants his dad. All right. So uh, we're in a series at the moment. Uh, uh, what are we in? I'm just distracted. Sorry, sorry, mate. I'll see you soon. Um, uh, what are we in a series? The, the, the Lord's Prayer. We're in, we're in the series of the Lord's Prayer at the moment. And, uh, and so we've been going through this, uh, starting in verse 9, going through to uh, verse 14, I think it is. And, and we've been reading the Lord's Prayer. And so we're going to do that again this morning. We're going to start out uh, reading uh, the Lord's Prayer. So it'll come up on the screen, starting in verse 9. Let's read this together, starting with our Father. So, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Okay, so there you go. So today though, we focus specifically on uh, verse 12, I think it is, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So, Father, we thank You for this opportunity just to read Your Word now and to hear from You. And I'm convinced, great God, that uh, this isn't just a word for some, but it's a word really for most of us. The reality is that at some point or another in our lives, as we live this life, we are faced with a moment where we need to not only receive forgiveness from You, but forgive those that have trespassed against us. And so help us, Lord, in this. I pray, Father God, You'd help us, uh, empower us, not just to hear this, but hear this, but then to apply it to our lives, great God. And as I often pray, it's less of me or none of me for that matter, all of you. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that You'd speak to our hearts now. It has to be You, great God, as Your Word goes out. It does not return void. And we pray, Almighty God, that right now You would speak to our hearts and impact us, great God, we pray. In your precious and mighty name, amen. Several years ago, uh, my sister and brother-in-law, when they were still living out at Warner, uh, they had, they've always had dogs, but they had this one particular dog uh, named Gizmo, and, or they named it Gizmo, and he had been their only dog for probably a couple of years. And one, uh, one day we went round to their house and uh, we, they, you can go around the side of their house and they have a back deck out there. And we went around the back and the dog came running out, Gizmo came running out, but uh, they had just... Uh, bought another dog actually named Harvey. And, uh, and so Gizmo, I think, was a bit threatened, a bit jealous by this other dog coming in and thinking, you know, he'd been there for two years. He thought he sort of owned the home and, and you know, was the, the, the only family pet. And then when Harvey came along, he was kind of a bit, I suppose, jealous about all of this. And so as we came around, uh, Gizmo was kind of, they were both, both dogs were really excited to see us. And they were jumping up, as you can imagine, and wanting to get pats and all this sort of stuff. And we're patting the dogs, but Gizmo was always quite threatened by Harvey. And so Gizmo would sort of like growl at him and sort of attack at him or whatever, not attack him full on, like rip him apart or anything like that, but, but just kind of go at him, you know. And, uh, and so, you know, we're trying to pat them both, but Gizmo couldn't stand that Harvey was getting pats off us. And so he's always kept sort of going at him. And eventually we kind of kept moving on up onto the deck area and Harvey kind of followed. And Harvey kind of would just brush it off like, oh, get off me, you know, what are you? Because he's just a little dog. They're both little dogs. But uh, he'd just kind of brush it off. Oh, whatever, you know, get out of the way. And, uh, and, and we'd sort of say, oh, Gizmo, come on, come and get a pat. And eventually it got to the point where Harvey was around us. He kept getting pats and Gizmo was just standing off to the side, maybe five or 10 metres away. And I remember just kind of watching this all play out. And there's Gizmo off to the side. And I'd say, Gizmo, come over, I'll come and get a pat. But he got to the point where he just didn't want a bar of it anymore. And he's looking over at us and he's looking over at Harvey and he's getting pats over here and all the rest of the family's over here on the deck. And he was just kind of standing off the side in his own sort of miserable state. Like, oh, I can't believe, you know, this dog's coming here. And I kind of watched this play out for a moment. And then after a while, I kind of said, you know, Gizmo, come over. 
And he didn't want a bar. He just looked miserable over to the side there, not wanting a bar of it. And eventually, after a few minutes, he just turned around and walked through his little doggy door into the garage and went and laid on his bed all by himself. And I remember thinking, I remember thinking, this, this is life. Like, I'm just watching humans do this stuff. You know, humans do this stuff. And, and out of like spite and jealousy and out of this, this stuff in our heart that goes on, it's like, no, nah, I'm not going to participate in this. But the only one I realised who was missing out was him. He thought he was getting back or I'll, I'll get at you for, you know, coming and, and being here and, and ha- had this, this spite against him. But the only one that was really missing out was, was him. And off he wandered into the garage on his own and just isolated himself and missed out on what was the fun of it all. And I thought, how sad. I thought, Paul Gizmo's missing out on this. Why? Because he held this, this, this jealousy in his heart towards this other dog that had kind of come in. And I thought, this is, this is, I'm seeing this played out. I'm thinking, this is life. This isn't just what dogs do. Humans do it. Humans do it also. And yet what we discover in, in, in this prayer that Jesus says, he says in, in verse 12, he says, and forgive us our debts as we come to God. The, the disciples saying, how do we pray? Like, what does it look like? And he says, well, we'll pray like this. You know, forgive us our debts. But the second part of it, Jesus says, is as we also have forgiven our debtors. And the reality is, and I think I prayed it before, but the reality is every single one of us has to face this at one point or another. Like, I don't think there's a single person in this room or watching online today, there's not a single person here that hasn't had to face the reality of having to forgive our debtors, asking God to help us to, to forgive those that have wronged us, that have, that have shamed us in some way, that have lied to us, that, is, that have hurt us in some way or another. That none of us have, have lived this life without having to face that at some point or another. And I get it, for some of you, it's gonna be smaller. And for some of you, you've, had some, you've faced some really painful situations. But the reality, of all, reality is all of us have to face this at one point or another. And regardless of whether you're a Christian or not a Christian or whether you believe in God or don't believe in God, we face this every day. Well, not, maybe not necessarily every day, but we face this in our lives at some point or another. Well, we've got, to, we've got to come to God and say, God, forgive me. But we also have to forgive our debtors. And you know what? I don't think this is a natural thing. I don't think this comes naturally to the human heart. I think within us that the human heart is deceitfully evil. And I think there's this reality in us that says, I don't want to forgive. Like, I don't want to let go. I don't want to let, because we feel like we're letting people off the hook. If you've been hurt, if you've been damaged in some way, you feel like you're letting them off by forgiving them. And we think, I don't want to do that. This doesn't come naturally to us. And I certainly don't think it comes naturally in our culture, in the Australian context, in the Australian culture either. So just let go and, oh, who cares? I'll just, just, I'll, I'll, I'll forgive this person. I don't think it's a natural thing. And so we've got to learn it. We've got to discover how does this work? How does this play out? How do I do that in my own life? You know, we read scriptures like Matthew 5.38. You've heard that it was said, Jesus said this. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And we think, yeah, that's what we like. We like that, we want that. Exactly, they've wronged me, we want revenge. We want them to, you know, we, we wanna make sure that, that they don't get away with this. But Jesus is teaching remarkable because He doesn't teach an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. He says, you've heard it said, but He says, no, no, you're, you're to turn the other cheek. You're to turn the other cheek. If someone hits you on the cheek, you turn the other cheek also. His teaching is radical. In verse, uh, chapter five, verse 43, you've heard that it was said again, Jesus saying, love your neighbour and hate your enemy, which we go, yes, that's it. I mean, it's easy to love our neighbours, isn't it? It's easy to love those that are nice to us and friends and all those sorts of things. It's easy to do that. But enemy, exactly. You know, we hate our enemies, don't we? That, that's easy. We can do that, no worries. And Jesus' teaching is remarkably different because He says, you've heard that said, but I tell you, you've got to love your enemies. I tell you, you've actually got to pray for those who persecute you. And that's not easy. That's tough. And yet it's a command from God Himself that we must forgive our debtors just as God has forgiven us. It's not natural. It's not natural in the human heart. This is tough. And it goes against what our heart's desire is. It goes against what we want to do. There's a thing that I came across and I kind of heard this somewhere, but there's a, there's a real thing called spite houses, spite houses. 
And, and, and I, I Googled it and I looked it up and this is a real thing. And it's a situation where there's been kind of conflict in the family or something like that. And somebody or conflict with neighbours and somebody decides to build a house that is gonna cause, you know, out of spite towards this other person. So let me give you the first example. There was a couple of brothers that one brother went away to war. This was many years ago and they inherited this land. And so what happened was the brother who wasn't at war, he thought, oh, how do I divide the land up? So he just divided the land up himself while his brother was at war. And all he left behind was this small little parcel of land for his brother. And his brother comes back and sees this small parcel of land and he's furious. He almost leaves him a bit of land that was pretty much unbuildable. And so he just thinks, and that's the land that he leaves him. And, he, and, and it, the sun would come through in this sort of alleyway between this big house that his brother built. And the sun would come through, the breeze would come through, it's beautiful. And, and so this was the bit of land he left his brother, but it was pretty much unbuildable. Now check this out. I think we've got a picture of it. Check this, this house out. That was the bit of land that he built. So you know what his brother did? He built there anyway. He said, I'll show you. And he builds a house in there purely to block the sunlight out of his brother's house. And he moved in and he moved in. It was about three metres wide. I think the house was and about 10 metres deep. He moved in, spite houses, he builds it out of spite. In a similar way, there was another situation, a family breakdown, uh, inherited some land and they didn't know how to break it up. And one of the siblings gave a bit of land that was a very awkward bit of land. It sort of came to a point, it was really hard to build on, very similar situation. So the other sibling that gave themselves this beautiful piece of land, built all these units and it had these beautiful ocean views. And so you know what the other sibling did? Thought, I'll show you. You think I can't build on this really awkward bit of land? They built a house on it. And at one point, it was only 600 mil, 600 mil wide at one point and about four metres wide at the other. But you know what it did? They literally built it almost as a wall that blocked the ocean view of of their their siblings. uh, I think we've got a photo. This is it here. So if you can see, see that small thin wall there, It almost looks like a wall and it blocks the ocean views of the sibling. A very uh, similar situation, husband and wife, they were going through a divorce settlement and the wife said she was gonna lose the house and the wife said, I want my husband to build me another house exactly the same as our existing house. The only problem was she didn't say where it was to be built. And the husband thought, well, I'll show you. And so he did build a house exactly the same as the replica of their existing house. But, he, but she didn't say where. And he built this house on a like salt, like mine thing, like a salt uh, thing that it, it was literally unlivable. So he builds a house. I think we've got a photo. He builds this house, exact replica on salt. And he even plumbed it in with the salt water. And it was literally unlivable, unlivable. He built it out of spite. Spite houses, out of revenge. It's a true thing. And so our heart says, I know what I'll do, I'll get back at you. Rather than forgiving as Jesus has commanded us to do, I'll get back at you, I'll get my revenge. Now, hopefully none of you here or watching online, hopefully you've never gotten to a point where you've built a physical spite house. I hope you haven't, maybe you have. Uh, but you need to sort that out if you have. But, but, but hopefully you've never built a spite house for anybody. But you know what we do? We build spite houses in our hearts. We build spite houses in our hearts and we're not building buildings to block out the view, but we're building walls in our hearts and it's killing us inside. And we think to ourselves, oh, I won't let them get away with this, but we're building walls in our heart. And you know what we're doing? We're imprisoning ourselves. You think you're getting back at the person by not forgiving, but you're literally poisoning yourself. And in some circumstances, it just starts out small, but you think, I won't let it get get away with it. But it continues to build and grow and grow and grow. And you build the walls in your own heart and you become a prisoner in your own heart. So sad, so painful. And Jesus says to you, and He says to me, you've got to forgive. You've got to forgive. Unforgiveness is choosing to stay trapped in a jail cell of bitterness, serving time for someone else's crime. Unforgiveness is choosing to stay trapped in a jail cell of bitterness, serving time for someone else's crime. And you know, as I sometimes write these sermons, I think I'll jot down some things to kind of prompt people like, and you know, I, I thought, I know what I could do. I could jot down, oh, is it maybe your mum? Is it your dad? Is it, uh, you know, a distant friend that, that's hurt you, a husband or a wife that's hurt you? And I thought, I don't need to do that. 
You know why? Because you know. You know in your heart. You're sitting there going, oh yeah, I know who it is. You know in your heart. I don't need to prompt you. Or is it your mum? Is it your dad? Is it a son or daughter or a distant relative or whatever? You know who it is in your heart. And like I said, sometimes it starts out small. Sometimes it's not that big a deal, but we just, we just think, no, nah, I'm not going to let that go. I'm not going to let that go. And it festers. A seed starts in our hearts and it begins to grow and grow and grow and it festers in our heart. Now, I'm not a big sort of illustrations person. Oh, I love telling stories, certainly. Uh, but I'm not one to do illustrations, but I've got one here. Probably, oh, what's with the water? Well, here we go. I'm going to have a red hot go at this. But I think this is effective because you know what the other thing that we do? The other thing we do is this is we think, you think and I think, we, we think sometimes, we think, oh, I can isolate this matter. So someone's wronged you at work or a husband or wife has done something against you and it's hurt you. It's hurt you and it's been painful and you think, oh, I can't let it go there and you hold on to it. And you think though, you think this, you think, but I'll isolate it. And so it won't come out in any other area of my life. I'll just isolate it to this one area. And if you think that we're so naive in thinking that we can isolate it, because I'm telling you, you can't. You cannot isolate it. You cannot isolate it. It will literally, it will literally filter into every area of your life, every sphere of your life. You can't get away from it. it like a poison, it'll just keep coming to every single area. And you think, no, 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 that was just a work situation. It won't impact my home life. It won't impact my marriage. It won't impact the way that I speak to my kids. But as time goes on and life goes on, it just begins to fester and fester in your heart. And all of a sudden you, you think to yourself one day, why did I, why am I angry? Why did I speak to my children like that? Why did I behave like that towards my wife or my husband? Why, what is this going on in my heart? And you don't realise because it's so slow, but as time goes on and maybe even years for you, all of a sudden it's infecting your heart and it flows out of your life. It flows out of your life and it starts to impact the way that you behave, the way that you respond, the way that you speak to people. And you don't even know why. You don't even know how. And like I said, sometimes it's just the smallest there we go. The smallest little bit of unforgiveness. And you think it's all right. It's just this little bit there. It's not infiltrating the rest of my life. It's not having that big of a deal. But you just, you just wait. Literally within five minutes, that whole bowl will be red. Why? Because that's what happens in our hearts. That's what happens in our lives. You cannot isolate the problem to just one area. It will consume every area of your life. And maybe that's why Jesus says this is so important, that you gotta forgive. Maybe that's why after the Lord's Prayer, He goes on from this and He talks in verse 14. He, he returns back to this. It's quite remarkable. The only thing that He returns back to is this, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. He goes back to it. And maybe that's why, because it literally will, will over time, it'll literally corrode your heart, corrode your life. You can't isolate this. You can't isolate it. It's so crazy because we think, oh, I'm gonna get back at them. I'm gonna get back at them. And in some situations, they don't even know that you're angry at them. They don't even know that they've done anything wrong. I remember a little while ago, somebody came to me and they said, oh, I just need to talk to you. And I said, yeah, sure. And, and they said, I, I, need to, um, I need to ask for forgiveness from you. And I was like, okay, no worries. And, and I, was, I was kind of taken back and, they said, you know what? You probably don't even know. You probably don't even know that. Um, but literally like three years ago, you made a comment, just a, a throw out comment. I was, I was with a, a group of other people and you kind of made this comment and, and I think it was towards me. And, and I know now as I look back, it wasn't even, you weren't even uh, directly trying to hurt me in any way. It was just a throw out comment. But he said, I went home and I kind of just thought about it more and I thought about it and then I dwelled on it. And I couldn't let it go. And then I made it bigger and bigger. And he said, for the last three years, I've kind of held on to that. And he said, just the other day, he goes, I, I was speaking to my wife about it. And I said, I need to bring, I need to talk this out. It's, it's literally become so big now. And he said, I need to talk about it. And she said, you need to talk about it. And he said, so I, I just want to say, I'm so sorry for like holding that against you. I'm so sorry. And he said, you probably didn't even realise. And honestly, I didn't even know. You see, we, we think, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll get back at him and I'll hold this against him. 
And you may not even realise, but they probably don't even know. They're living their life. They've moved on. They don't even care. They're just, they're just living their life. And we're holding on thinking, oh, I'll get back at them. Jesus says, you've got to forgive. You've got to forgive. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will, for, will not forgive your sins. This is huge. This is massive. And there's a few things that come out of this for me. And it's this, that firstly, we know that, that sin, uh, sorry, the unforgiveness and bitterness and, and, and pride towards other people and, and that stubbornness and that unwillingness to forgive, it, it destroys our lives. It destroys us slowly. It begins to envelop every aspect of our lives. So we know that. But secondly, from what this verse implies, it, it, it seems to block our prayers to God. It seems to block an intimacy with our Heavenly Father that if we hold unforgiveness towards someone, it's like our intimacy with our Heavenly Father is, is blocked in some way or another. The prayers as we pray, it's like prayers aren't answered. It's, just, it's this crazy concept they're here. And so our intimacy with God is damaged through this. But thirdly, which I think is huge, it's a guy by the name of Watchman Nee. He says this, unforgiveness is something along these lines, but he says unforgiveness is the single biggest open door for the devil to get a foothold. And so we open this door, when we have unforgiveness in our hearts, we open this door for the devil to just come in and get a foothold in our lives. And we think, oh, it's not that big a deal. It's just, I'll isolate it, whatever we think, but it's not, it doesn't work like that. It will literally infiltrate every area of your heart, every aspect of your life. It gets in and you can't get rid of it until you get to a point where you say, God, help me forgive. Help me let go of this. The devil gets a foothold so easily in unforgiveness and he'll, he'll just cause destruction. He'll cause destruction in your life through it. I remember a few years ago now, we were in Connect Group one night and I, I just remember this so distinctly. It was quite powerful. But a girl in, in our Connect Group, and um, this is why Connect Group is so powerful. This is why getting in a small group is so powerful is you can share and talk about these things, encourage one another, read God's Word and pray for one another. It's so powerful. And as we we're in Connect Group, I'll never forget it. We got onto this subject somehow and this girl was just sharing about how she just said, she said, you know, recently I had to face an area of my life that I'd held a grudge against someone, like a, a, a friend. I hadn't seen her for a while, but I knew that I'd held this grudge against him. And I knew I had to, I had to bring it up with him and I had to um, and, and ask for forgiveness for, from this person. And uh, she began to share about how she knew she had to do it. So she teed up a time to meet up with this other friend and she met up with them and, uh, and she was said, I was so nervous, so nervous. She said, there was so much fear in my heart. How's this gonna go down? What is it gonna look like? And you, you can relate. You know what that's like. You, you, you're in that now because that person's in your mind. Even as I speak, you're like that. I know who it is. But there's no way, I just don't think I could do it. And so there's this fear that rises up within you. When she felt this and she said, I was so, but this is what struck me. She said, we caught up and it got to the point where I knew I had to raise this, this thing that I'd held against this person. And she said, I was so scared, so fearful that I was physically shaking, like physically shaking. Both my, my hands were shaking. I had to bring it up with this person. And so there I sat shaking and I thought, oh my goodness, what a challenge. What a challenge to me. What a challenge maybe to most of us, like to get to a point where it's so full on that you're physically, your body is shaking of the thought of having to bring this up with this person. But you know what? She said, she said she, she brought it up by God's strength. She brought it up and they were able to discuss it, talk about it. And she left feeling free as a bird, like feeling amazing. And I rang her two days ago about this because I, I remembered it. And I said, do you remember when you shared in Connect Group? And she goes, yeah, I think I vaguely remember that. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, that was incredible. Like, that was so challenging to me. And she goes, you know what? I, I think I kind of, I do vaguely remember, but, but it's amazing because I remember actually talking about it. And I remember being really terrified. And she said, it's actually happened twice in my life, being so terrified. But I can't even remember now what the situation was. And she said, you know what? It's probably because it, it, it's gone. It's done. We dealt with it and it's over. And this was a few years ago. And she said, I can't even remember what it was. And this is the power this is the power, this is why Jesus says this will eat you alive if you don't deal with it. And you know what it is in your heart and Jesus says you've got to do something about it, you've got to let it go, you've got to forgive your debtors. Jesus calls us to this, to forgive 
is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that the prisoner was you. And so the question is, how do we do it? Like, how do we do this? Because I understand for many of you going, I know, but you don't understand my story and you don't know how big it is and all that sort of stuff. How could I even take the first step forward in this? And I came across this in Matthew because as Jesus is speaking here, there's a parable that relates to, to, as Jesus was talking about unforgiveness. And maybe you're familiar with this story, but it's found in Matthew 18. It's the parable of the unmerciful servant. And just to paraphrase for you, I'm not gonna read it, but just to paraphrase for you, the unmerciful uh, servant, this servant goes to the king and he owes the king like 50 bags or whatever it is, 50 bags of gold, which he could never pay back. And the king brings this servant in and he says to him, he says to me, you owe me all this money and you need to pay it back. And the servant says, please, please have mercy on me. He begs him, please have mercy on me. He drops to his knees, please have mercy on me. I'll work for it and, uh, and I'll pay you back. But he would never be able to pay it back. And then it says in verse 27, the servant's master took pity The servant's master took pity on him and he cancelled the debt and let him go. And then you know what happens though? It's so powerful. You know what happens though is then that servant who just has had pity and and, and the debt's been cancelled, he goes out and he finds another servant that was serving him and he grabs him and he says, pay the money back to me that you owe me. And he says in the similar way, this other servant says, please, please promise I'll pay it back to you. Just give me some time and I'll pay it back to you. And he strangles him and he says, no, no. And he gets some guards to throw him in prison. And he's completely unmerciful just, uh, just after he's been shown all this mercy and this grace. And this king finds out about it, drags this, this servant back in. And he says, why did you do that? How could you do that? Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he says. He said, I cancelled all the debt of yours because you begged me. Because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And then I realised the penny dropped. Firstly, this. The firstly, he took pity on him. You see, firstly, he recognised that he can't pay it back and he's in a difficult situation. And it's almost like he put himself in his shoes and he took pity on him in that moment and thought, you know what, I can be gracious here. Because I look at that person's background. I look what they've been through. I look what they're going through. I look what they're suffering with. And when I understand and realise what they're going through, maybe I would be just the same as them if I was in their shoes. You know what? You can take a step and go, okay, maybe I could take pity on them. Because if I, were, if I had their upbringing, if I had their dad, if I had their mum, if I were faced with those situations, then maybe I'd be just the same. But you know, we're so quick to, to emphasise or blow up what they've done to us, you know, and we're so quick to say, yeah, but you know what? They lied against me. I can't believe they did that. They shouldn't have done that. And we just say, but they're a liar. That's what they are. And we pin them and that's their identity. And we say, they're a liar. And someone says, but haven't you lied? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I suppose. Like once or twice I've lied, but nothing like that. Nowhere near as big as that. I've lied once or twice, but don't you get it? Don't you see? You're no different. You've lied and sin is sin in God's eyes. You've lied, whatever you've done, it's sin is sin. And we're no different to anybody else. And when you realise that, See, that's what happened. He says this, you wicked servant. He said, I cancelled all the debt debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Forgiveness is giving to others what God has already given to us. Forgiveness is giving to others what God has already given to us. And I realised in this moment, and I hadn't seen it like this before, But it's one thing to be remorseful. It's one thing to go, oh, I sinned against that person. But it's something quite another to go, I've sinned against God. You know, sometimes when we sin and we do wrong in our life, sometimes there's this remorse and I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to do that. But but partly sometimes is because we're, we're, we're sorry for the consequences of that sin. You hear stories like that. Somebody's so, so forgiving and, and, and why? Because they've done wrong and there are consequences to our sin. There are consequences when we do something wrong and, and we don't wanna deal with the consequences. So we just say, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I, I don't wanna deal with that. 
and, and then maybe it's kind of things like heal a little bit and then they never change. Why? Because they were just sorry or merciful because of the consequences. They didn't want to deal with the consequences. So then how do we change though deep within our heart? How do we get to a point where we're not just sorry because of the consequences that have played out, but we're deeply sorry and we begin to change as a person? How do you get to the core of it, the deepness, the right in the, the core of our heart? How do you change and move on? And we discover it's, it's this principle. It's this principle that when you understand, you haven't just sinned against the person because that's one thing and there are consequences because of that. But you've sinned against God. You've sinned against Him, you see. Maybe you've hurt that other person, but you've hurt God and you've hurt Him in the midst of His mercy and of His grace. And when we've sinned, there he is pinned on the cross, bleeding, being whipped and tortured and and dying on a cross. Why? Because of our sin. And you didn't just hurt, don't you see it? Don't you see it? You didn't just hurt the person, you hurt him. And he died for you. And when he looks at your life and all the sin in your life and all the mess and all your background and all the mess you've done, and he looks at you and he knows your life inside out, he knows you better than you know yourself. And he looks at all the sin in your life and he says, I don't condemn you. I forgive you. And the only way, the only way you'll truly be able to change as a person is not just when you hurt others, but when you realise you've trampled the heart of God. You've broken His heart as He hangs on the cross and you think, I can't do that again. I can't do that again to my Saviour. And you begin to change. You begin to change. It's the only way. It's the only way you can move forward. He took pity on him. He forgave him. Remember the story? This is, this is the human nature. Remember the, the prophet Nathan comes to David and David had been caught up in murdering a, a husband and having an adulterous affair with Bathsheba and all this sort of stuff. And the prophet comes to David and he says, there was this neighbour who had this poor little ewe lamb. It's all, all he had. And the neighbour comes over and slaughters this ewe lamb. And David in this fit of rage goes, how dare someone could do such a thing? You know why? Because he thinks, I'm better than that. I'm better than that person. This pride in his heart says, I would never do such a thing. I would never hurt anybody like that. How could he do that? And the prophet Nathan says, and then David says, out of response, that person, there should be consequences because of that. That person should be killed. And Nathan comes to me and says, that person's you. That person's you. You see, we, we, in our hearts, in the pride of our heart, we think, I would never do that. And then we realise we've done it. We're no different. We're no different to anybody else. We've done it. And David, I think it's in Psalm 51, he just, he just relents and he pours out his heart. Yes, he sinned against the people. They put him as king and he'd fallen in his integrity. He'd sinned against Bathsheba. He'd sinned against Bathsheba's husband. He'd sinned against all these things, but he pours out his heart. He said, oh God, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against you. He understands this principle. The only way he can truly change from within his heart when he knows that he's trampled on the heart of God. I want to leave with a couple of last stories. Very quickly, uh, I came across this story. It's so powerful. Let me read it to you. But basically, uh, this is, uh, there was the, the South African, uh, Nelson Mandela, from what I can gather, I didn't read heaps into it, but from what I can gather, Nelson Mandela set up the South African Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And what happened was these uh, maybe corrupt police uh, would have to come to the court system and basically confess. And in some situations, confess in front of family members that had been impacted by the corruptness that had taken place. And uh, so they would stand in the uh, courtroom and they would confess all that they did. And I came across a story of a lady who was, uh, it states this, it says, a frail black woman rose slowly to her feet in South African courtroom. She was 70-something years old. Facing her from across the room were several white security police officers. One, a man, Mr. Vanderbrook, had just been found guilty of murdering the woman's son and her husband. And basically what happened here is that, to paraphrase, but what happened was this man, uh, one night uh, there was some law or some rule that... um, uh, these, you know, they weren't allowed out at a certain time. And this white corrupt police officer found this, this young boy, this, the son of this woman. 
and they got they, they grabbed this boy and they basically uh, tied him up and I think it was on um, timber or, or wood or whatever they tied him down and then they burnt him alive and killed him. Two years later, he never got caught from that, but two years later, in a similar way, they were in that same area and they actually found the husband of this woman two years later. And in exactly the same way, they did exactly the same thing and they tied the husband to this pile of wood. And as they poured fuel over the husband, he, he said these words, Father, forgive them, forgive them. And they, they lit him up and they killed him and, and, and um, set him alight alive and they killed him. And this is the situation here, the, the wife and the, the mother of these, these two people that were killed is standing in front of the very man that did this in the courtroom. Justice had caught up with Mr. Vanderbrook as he stands there. He had been found guilty and it was time to determine his sentence, it says. And as the woman stood, the presiding official of the court asked, so what do you want? How should justice be done to this man who has so brutally destroyed your family? And this is absolutely remarkable. This is amazing, her response. In reply, the woman said, I want three things. I want first to be taken to the place where my husband's body was burned so that I can gather up the dust and give his remains a decent burial. She pauses, then continues. My husband and son were my only family. I want secondly, therefore, this is incredible, for Mr. Vanderbrook to become my son. I would like for him to come twice a month to the ghetto and spend a day with me so that I can pour out on him whatever love I still have remaining within me. And finally, she says, I want a third thing. I would like Mr. Vanderbrook to know that I offer him my forgiveness because Jesus Christ died to forgive. This was also the wish of my husband. And so I would kindly ask someone to come to my side and lead me across the courtroom so that I can take Mr. Vanderbrook in my arms, embrace him and let him know that he has truly been forgiven. And in that moment, these two people got under her arms and helped her across the room. But do you know what happened? That, that impacted this man so much, he literally fainted in that moment. He fainted. It was so powerful that he fainted. And the, behind this woman, 30 of this woman's uh, you know, friends stood up from her local connect group or small group. They stood up and began to sing Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace in that moment. So powerful. And you know what? For some of you sit here and you go, but if you knew, if you knew, if you knew, how, how am I to take a step forward? For some of you, it's literally going, you see the principle here? She didn't go alone. She went with 30 other people to help her and to encourage her. And this is why you, it may be for you, you haven't spoken to anybody about it, but you need to even just speak to one person and say, I need you to wrestle uh, this through with me. I need you to help me in this. I need you to help me and pray for me. I need to do this, but I need your help. She had the support of 30 others in that moment. And you may need the support also to take a step forward in forgiving your debtor. And finally, I just want to read this to you. Sorry, I've used a bit of time, but you'll like the story. So powerful again, many of you have heard of um, uh, Tori, uh, Corey Ten Boom's uh, story. And there's an extract from her book. It's called In the Hiding Place at the back of her book. And it says this, it was in church, uh, Corey Ten Boom herself and her sister. Uh, were caught in a concentration camp and went through some horrific circumstances, horrific situations. And she's uh, been free from that. She was able to uh, get out of that. And she writes this, it was in a church in Munich, sorry. And the back of the context is, is that she went around then, around the country, preaching, preaching in churches about forgiveness and how they need to forgive and to let go. It was in a church in Munich that I saw him, a balding, heavyset man in a grey overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filling out the basement room where I'd just spoken, moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door at the rear. It was 1947 and I had become, um, come from Holland to defeat Germany with the message that God forgives. 
It was the truth they needed most to hear in that bitter, bombed out land. And I gave them my favourite mental picture. Maybe because the sea is never uh, too far from Hollanders' minds. I like to think that that's where forgiven sins were thrown. When we confess our sins, I said, God cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. The solemn faces stared back at me, not quite daring to believe. There were never questions after a talk in Germany in 1947. People stood up in silence, in silence collected their wraps, in silence left the room. And that's when I saw him working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat, the next a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the centre of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Fraileen. How good it is to know that as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner amongst thousands of women? But I remembered him. And the leather, crop, uh, the, the, the leather crop swinging from his belt. I was face to face with the one, one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Fraileen. Again, the hand came out, will you forgive me? And I stood there, eyes, I whose sins had again and again to be forgiven and could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, held, hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do for I had to do it, I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi uh, brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able also to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives. No matter what the physical scars, those who nurse their bitterness remain invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And, I still, and still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart But forgiveness, she says, is not an emotion. I knew that too. Listen to this. Forgiveness is an act of the will and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Help, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretch out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current, the current started in my shoulder. It raced down my arm and it sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a, long, for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had, she says this, I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. A powerful story, powerful story. And so today, I don't need to say who is it or what is it for you. You know what it is. You know who it is. You know the circumstances and the situations. And so maybe, just maybe, you could pray a similar prayer as Corey Tamboom. God, help me in this. 
We need to get to a place where we get rid of our pride and realise we're no better than anybody else. And that we've trampled the heart of God, that yes, we've sinned against the person, but we've sinned against God and we've trampled His heart, we've trampled His mercy and His grace. And it's in that place that we can get to a place where we say, God, help me, help me and forgive that person who's wronged you. Father, we thank You for Your Word because it's so powerful and it changes us and it's so relevant to our lives, great God. I know that there are some here in this moment that they're wrestling with this. They they know what it is. They know the person and they know the situation and they're wrestling and wrestling and thinking, I know I've got to do it. I just pray from the bottom of my heart, oh God, that you would help them, that you'd empower them, that, that you'd strengthen them to, to just take the first step. Yes, we may not have the feeling. Yes, we may not feel like I can do this, but, but in our hearts, give us the will, the willpower to say, I, I need to do this. I need to do this. Strengthen them, oh God, we pray. Lord, I, I, from what your Word says, what we can gather is that as we do that, then we're set free from the prisons of our heart. And so Lord, help, help. Help those that need it right now, oh God, we pray. Help as we leave this place. We take, take the phone call, make the meeting, whatever we need to do. Confront that person, whatever it is, Father God, we pray. So help us, Lord Jesus, we ask. In your precious name, amen. We're gonna sing a song together now. Why don't you jump up on your feet? And in this moment, as we sing these words, it's still an opportunity. Just you, you can pray, you know, like I can pray, someone can pray for you certainly, but you have direct access to your own Heavenly Father. And in this moment, as we sing these words, if that's you today, just take a moment to pray now and to seek Him and say, God, I need your help. Help me in this moment. Help me to take a step forward in this moment, I pray. Let's sing these words and worship our great God. Jesus Christ. 
team down the front of the closest service. We'd love just to pray with you. If God's been speaking to you, uh, this this is the moment just to respond on it right now, just to just to say, God, I want to step forward in faith and obedience. I want to trust you. He wants to bless you. He wants to set you free. He wants to bring healing and restoration. This is our God. So at the end of this service, you feel free to come. Let me pray. Lord, bless each and every one here this morning, I pray. Lord, thank you for your word to us. Thank you for the truth of your word, Lord. Thank you for forgiveness that is found in you, Jesus. And help us now, Lord, to let go of any bitterness, anything holding on, we're holding on to, Lord, instead to be able to forgive as you have forgiven us, Lord. Bring healing, bring restoration, we pray. May your, this, this forgiveness flow not only into our lives, but across our community, across our world, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Just a reminder that our Easter card invitations are available as you leave as well. If you haven't already got one, be praying about who you can give that to. Prayer team will be down the front here. We look forward to connecting with you again soon. God bless.